Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Capital Club Radio, hosted by Michael Flock. He is CEO and Chairman of Flock Specialty Finance. Capital Club Radio provides a forum for middle market business leaders who have been underserved by traditional banking. Now, here's your host, Michael Flock. Thank you and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, delighted to be here today and, and honored to uh, uh, interview Alex Dunlap, uh, formerly uh, of Wells Fargo. He was responsible for many years for their debt sales. Uh, I'm also uh, honored and pleased that uh, he accepted a position with Flock Specialty Finance a few years ago as Senior VP of Business Development. Um, when I first met Alex uh, years ago in the industry, everybody was dying for his cell phone number. Uh, he was in charge of all the debt sales for Wells Fargo for several years and uh, was quite uh, a leader in the space. And as we grew our financing company, I decided we needed someone uh, with his knowledge and also uh, network in this uh, in this wonderful industry. And so today, we're going to talk about uh, Alex's journey through the debt buying industry from Wells to Flock Specialty Finance and what he's learned along the way and what his uh, aspirations are for the future and, and how we might help uh, debt buyers in this uh, current uh, somewhat turbulent market. So today, Alex, let's start talking about you personally. How, how did you get started in the debt buying industry? I mean, what attracted you to it? Uh, hi, Michael. Uh, thank you for having me on, on the Capital Club. And uh, Michael, you know, it, it was it's like anything else. Sometimes you just you just fall into things. I uh, when I was growing up, I never said, hey, I want to work in the collection industry or or sell debt or buy debt. But uh after uh, working uh, at Wells Fargo uh, for 12 years, I moved. I, I worked in the Treasury area and uh, started working in corporate development. And at, at corporate development, we would uh, work with uh, other business units to find bulk transactions for them to buy. So they thought our group was good at going out and 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 doing contracts and keeping confidential information. So they said, "Hey, why don't you guys start selling uh, debt for uh, at that time just one of the business units?" And it just grew from there. I uh, didn't. I was I was kind of mortified because I'm like, "Go sell debt." I'm like, and I, and I thought of a bunch of guys, used car salesmen, like people in polyester suits, and uh, and. Uh, and, and so it wasn't attractive to me. So uh, the first thing I did to learn something about it, because no one in our group knew anything about it, I took a course from an old industry uh, expert, Dennis Hammond. He offered Debt Buying 101. And that was my first introdu introduction to the, uh, to the space. Well, that's interesting, Alex. Uh, but now let's step back before you got into that department at Wells Fargo. Uh, and by the way, it was Wells Fargo in Des Moines? It, I was in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Yeah. And is that where you're from? No, I'm not. I'm actually uh, from Chicago. Although people, I lived in Des Moines for 20 years. So people told me I was there and I said, no way. I always kept my Chicago uh, roots. Uh, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, 
Uh, my dad was a, um, a minister, so we moved around a lot. I was born in Virginia. We lived in Virginia. We lived in a couple of towns in North Carolina. And then when I was six, we moved to Chicago. And uh, that was kind of where I, I, we, we kind of stabilized. And I grew up there and uh, kind of loved Chicago. So at heart, you're really a Midwesterner, though. I'm a Midwesterner, yes. And so, uh, starting at Wells then in Des Moines, what what was what department were you in initially? I was in Treasury Service. Treasury Service, yeah. Okay. And uh, what I my 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 deal was, I was uh, uh, selling commercial paper. Uh, we at 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 uh, Wells Fargo. It was actually Norwest. Uh, uh, when I started Norwest Financial, they raised their own capital. And uh, I was uh, uh, managing a couple of commercial paper programs, one in uh, the U.S., one in Canada, and one from, from Puerto Rico because we had a Puerto Rico entity as well. And uh, I did some cash management and things of that nature and just kind of moved around the treasury area, you know, for, for... So when you say you were selling commercial paper, so then already, at least at Norwest, the bank was selling uh, debt. Well, yeah, that was that. Yeah, but that was we were we were raising commercial paper, small, short-term notes. Okay. Uh, you know, thirty, sixty, ninety-day notes. Okay. Uh, okay. To help fund the company, yes. Okay, so that's kind of how you then got started, and, and then you migrated into the core bank after, I guess, Wells acquired Norwest, right? Wells, uh, well, they called it a merger of equals, okay. but uh, and and so after the bank was combined, Wells kind of had their own mm -hmm. fundraising capability and didn't need two entities doing it. So uh, uh, we kind of got pushed out of that. I stayed in Treasury a little while longer, but uh, uh, ultimately moved to the corporate development group. Corporate development. And that's where you started or you uh, eventually took over the responsibility for selling the, not just credit card, but it was auto debt and what else? Uh, we, we sold well, we started with uh, credit card uh, and auto, and uh, Wells had several different auto uh uh, business units. So, and then we kind of migrated to the other things, credit card, you know, just, they call them the, the toys group that was, uh, that the bank did and, uh, and, and just everything that Wells had, including uh, commercial, I mean, just kind of everything except for mortgages. Gotcha. And what years was was that then, when you started uh, selling the debt? Uh, about 2005. 2005. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so how did you find yourself prepared for this role? Because it was a very different role. It was more external, wasn't it, versus your other roles, which were more internal? Well, no. I mean, uh, as I said, I spent a couple of years in the corporate development, and that was more of an external role. I had to go to other okay. companies and try to right. get to buy assets from them. So, uh, uh, yeah, my first role was all internal, but uh, at corporate development, it was more of an external okay, role. Okay, so you dealing. got the training and dealing with uh, outside yeah, uh, Right, and that's kind of why sources. they thought our group would be perfect for, uh, at the time, each business unit, you know, the credit card, the auto, they were doing their own thing and they weren't doing a lot of smart things. What they were doing is they go to a conference, right. DBA, right. meet some people, say, hey, let's give them the debt. And instead of, uh, right. th there was no uh, process. And they asked us to come in, put a process together of selling uh, the charged off assets. Well, that's a good segue to my next question. So how, you know, how did you develop that process and how has it changed uh, over the years? <laughs> Uh, uh, Michael, that was all trial and error, uh, believe me. Uh, as I said, there was no one in our group and really no one in our company that uh, 
was familiar with debt sales. There were, I mean, several of the business units had been selling for a couple of years, but as I said, they didn't really have a process. So what what we did after I took uh, debt buying 101 and kind of understood what I was up against, uh, we uh, went to a couple of conferences, kind of learned and figured out what other people were doing in in the industry and really just started out uh, trying to sell. And as I said, Michael, it was trial and error. You know, some of the things in today's environment, if we did it, uh, it would be, uh, it would probably terrify some of the people, but uh, you know, that's the way we learned. Wow. That's uh, surprising because when you think about Wells Fargo, you think of this giant, you know, uh, you know, mega billion dollar bank, everything is buttoned up, perfectly organized, uh, everything runs like clockwork. Uh, I, I guess it wasn't quite like that then. It was a little bit the wild, wild west initially. Well, no, not wild, wild west, Michael. We did have, <laughs> we, we did have a process. And okay. I mean, our process, you know, uh, migrated over time, let's say, but uh, there was a process. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I noticed was that, uh, we were doing, I mean, at the time we, we did due diligence on debt buyers and uh, we were doing a lot more than some of the other bigger uh, mm-hmm. institutions at the time. So uh, our process, while it wasn't, uh, uh, we didn't have a lot of experience with it, it was a process. And, and, and I think it was, uh, it was pretty rigorous. Uh, um, now, there were some things in it that we would change now, uh, of course, but you know, at the time we had, we were looking at 60 companies participating in a credit card, uh, auction, uh, auction. and, okay. uh, and, uh, you know, we didn't do diligence on the company until they actually won a transaction. So, cause there's no way you could do due diligence on 60, 60 companies. companies. So, uh, one of the things that we learned to do early was to, uh, uh, to not give unmasked data. And, uh, that was a, a, okay. a big deal now course, there were millions of companies that said, oh, well, we can't even price this with unmasked data. But because we were allowing uh, a lot of people to look at this data, we were, there was no way we were, we were going to unmask it. So we some of the protections that the, the CFPB is, 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 is asking companies to do now, we, we were doing them, you know, back then. Can you share with us uh, in our audience any uh, interesting stories, anecdotes about this journey of at Wells when you started, you know, through trial and error versus, you know, you know, I guess seven, eight years later, just before you left, what, can share, share with us some of the stories, uh, if you, if you have any interesting ones that, um, you know, Michael, there, there were a lot of interesting stories, but you know, the one thing I, I really learned in all of this was that, uh, this was a, a, a great industry to, to work in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's full of characters and I won't, give any, any, any stories that, uh, oh, come that, on. or name oh, come anyone. On, Alex, you know, everyone wants to hear. Uh, some of them might be our customers, Michael. So <laughs> you, you don't want me to do that. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, I, I just, uh, you know, uh, I really enjoyed working in the industry. Uh, um, enjoyed because of the people, the process, but, the returns. What was it that, what to, was why more, did you like it? Well, it was more the people. I, I, I mean, I have to say that, uh, you know, as, as an industry, when, I, when we started out, um, you know, everyone worked uh, together in this industry. You know, I, one of the things that I noticed was when I, when I was just kind of in the corporate development group looking 
at and working with other companies, you know, they were they were all standoffish from everyone. But the first thing I noticed was that, you know, even, you know, in the debt buying industry, the companies, you know, talked to each other, worked with each other, uh, partied with each other. You and mean the, uh, the individual debt buyers, individual that you were debt buyers. To? Yeah. Okay. You know, every, you know, it was it, even there though was, they were competing. There was competition, but there was also, uh, uh, you know, a lot of them were were great friends and, you know, across companies. Friends. Yeah. Even even during a uh, an auction, which is, you know, obviously very kind of well-organized, but you have lots of st- structure, lots of rules, and you're saying, you know, even then, the, you know, the personal relationships did make a difference? They they, they made a great so difference. it wasn't just the numbers? And it wasn't just the numbers. And, and, and Michael, you know, I got, uh, you know, my, my boss used to say all the time, Alex, you're getting too close to these guys. You know, you, you, you know, you, you, you need to, you know, put some space in between you, but from my perspective, I, I thought getting to know them was the best thing for Wells Fargo because you knew what they were capable of. You, I mean, you could pick out who you could sell, who you should sell to, and who you really shouldn't. So, so you were really doing due diligence through the personal relationships that you were developing. You know, I mean, some people called it golf, some people called it dinner, but I call it due <laughs> diligence. I like your, I like your thought there, Michael. Well, actually, when I think of you, Alex, I think of the knowledge that you got. And I like to speak in alliteration sometimes. It's knowledge and networks. Knowledge and networks. You had the knowledge and you helped create the debt buying or the debt selling process at Wells. So you had the technical knowledge. And then you just said it was really the people relationships that helped you, I think, manage the process over time. And actually, it was the networking that give you the knowledge on how to do it in a way. Is that, is, am I? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I, no, I think you, you hit it on the head, Michael. One of the things that I like to say was that uh, one of my advantages was that I didn't really have a real job. A lot of the guys that were selling debt, they were also in the collection business and they had to monitor, you know, something else. My job was actually after we got going for a year, my job was actually selling debt. And uh, that was my entire job. So it allowed me to build relationships, understand, you know, what business units needs were and, uh, mm-hmm. and get to know not only the external people, but the internal people in the collection world. I mean, all of those guys were, 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 were my friends as well. So, you know, it, it, uh, it, it helped, you know, you kind of knew what they needed and, uh, you know, you knew how to go after it and help them get it. So. So what were some of the common denominators, though, amongst these debt buyers that were successful in establishing relationships with Wells? What were the common denominators of success and then those that didn't make it? Why did they not make it? Well, I I think that uh, the the one common denominator was that, uh, you know, they they actually all took time to uh, understand and get to know uh, uh, the people at Wells, the uh, the, uh, the, the, the collection, uh, managers. And, uh, so, I mean, the, the funny thing about it is that, you know, the, the, the they were so different. I mean, every do- group was different. I worked from small companies that had, uh, you know, you know, five or six, you know, employees to companies like PRA and Encore that had, you know, thousands of employees and they were all competing for, uh, the same, uh, transactions. Now, 
granted that, you know, some of the little guys couldn't bid on some of the larger transactions, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they would, they would hang in there with, with the guys. And, you know, I, I probably had a personal bias to the, to the smaller company. So a lot of times, you know, the big guys could blow them, bl- them away and, you with know, with their price, with their price. And, uh, so, you know, sometimes you would, with the price and the size of the transaction. So, you know, we make transactions that, uh, everybody could, uh, uh, afford to to buy and 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 look at so well, without mentioning names i don't i know you want to <laughs> protect the names of uh your your relationships but uh were there any instances though when a smaller company trumped a bigger company not because of price but because of something else or was it just because you, you've said all along that the personal relationships didn't have some impact i know Price is critical to the bank, but can can you think of any stories again, without mentioning names, of where someone won actually because of not price, but something related to uh, their company, their capabilities, uh, their experiences? Well, you know, one of the things we we like to say uh, at 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 Wells when I was there was that price is is important, but it wasn't the ultimate uh, uh, reason that you were going to win a transaction. So. I mean, a lot of the larger companies had an advantage. I mean, they had these uh, huge compliance areas. They had uh, know-how. They had cheap capital. So, I mean, you know, just on its face, you really, some of the small companies couldn't compete. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, at times uh, I, I can think about one company that was a, a mid-sized company that, you know, took them on heads on. And, uh, uh, you know, they they offered more than, uh, you know, one of the big guys and, and won a transaction. So uh, more in terms of price or more, more because of other well, and, intangibles and, and price. But, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, to sit here and tell you, Michael, that that price wasn't the overriding uh, decision maker, it would would not be true. It, it, it was. Uh, and if and if you two were the same kind of compliance wise and risk wise, you know, price is going to win it for you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, you could, I mean, you could, you could help them a little bit, you know, they call and say, you know, they might say, Hey, is uh eight cents going to get it for me? And I no, that's not going to get it for you. So, you know, you could offer them a little guidance and, you know, I, even the big companies came by and asked for guidance as well. But, uh, right. you know, like I said, I, I, w- I was more likely to help with guidance with a smaller company than a larger company. So. Okay. And uh, for those that failed, was it uh, compliance, uh, more than price, a combination of that? Was there anything else that that uh, would make it impossible, let's say, for a middle market debt bar to do business with Wells, or was it pretty much... No, at the time we didn't have all the constraints that you have now with the CFPB. So, um, you know, middle market companies, uh, I mean, we had a rigorous due diligence, uh, and there were several occasions where the top price didn't win it. Uh, but I, I don't think there was a correlation between size of company and, uh, and, uh, and whether they, uh, would clear due diligence. I mean, there were large companies that, you know, we, that, some of the right. uh, collection people didn't get comfortable with. So, okay. So let's fast forward then from you know your years at Wells to you know you joined Fox Specialty Finance and at the time you, you know you you had this and you still do have a wonderful reputation and 
because of your knowledge and your network that you've got. Um, but I recall, you know, a year into our relationship at Flock Specialty Finance, after the CFPB had really initiated its first wave of regulation, plus with the deleveraging, you know, of the, the whole credit card segment, uh, the market had changed radically since, uh, obviously, since you started in 05 and even since we started working together. Um, how can, can, can you summarize kind of what you see the challenges now during this transition uh, are and, and what would you advise the listeners to um, and how to navigate through that? Well, obviously, the the largest uh, um, roadblock to success in this industry is is the lack of participation from the creditors. Um, that was, I think, the first thing we saw, and and then uh, you know when when you when you when you don't have you know some of the largest uh, creditors involved in the industry, you're you're I mean that started running the price of. Of, of buying portfolios to to the sky, so uh, that also coupled with you know those creditors trying to do things and guessing what right. the regulators wanted, and uh, some of the rules they put in knocked a lot of the middle market guys out of the industry total. I mean, I think you mm -hmm. you we we went over a list where there were you know a hundred or so plus. Debt buyers on on, right. on 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 our list, and we right. we called. You know, there's even been a whole lot more uh, regulation and creditors dropping out. So uh, the middle market has really been challenged, and because of resale resale uh, uh, issues, and not and, and a lot of the creditors not allowing reselling of of their debt. Which I mean, let's go back and and, and say this, Michael, that. There were some issues in, in the debt buying industry that we didn't address as an industry and kind of left the door open for the regulators to, to come in and complain about it. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that goes back to, you know, you know, not self-regulating. I think if we had to all do it over again, we'd do it a little uh, differently because now they, the some of the policies are so onerous on 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 the creditors as well as the debt buyers mm -hmm. that uh, the market is, is has shrunk and uh, you know there 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 are a lot of barriers now to entry for uh, right. new companies. Right. I mean when I when I was selling at Wells, I mean you you every every other week you had a company. Mm -hmm. Well, you know I'm mm -hmm. I'm buying debt now and uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm just starting out. And, uh, you know, now one of the biggest barriers is going to be that, uh, you know, creditors want someone to have years of experience in buying debt before they right. can uh, qualify uh, for to make their list. So so how would you counsel then the, the our, our listeners, the audience and, and how to navigate then through uh, these years of transition of, you know, the old debt buying world, which you said, Maybe it wasn't the wild, wild west, but people were trying and changing different processes for selling for, at the big banks versus today, where now it is it is very, very tightly reg regulated, not just from the CFPB. They have their regulations, but then also the big banks and credit card companies are making um, – I'm not saying it's authoritarian, but they're, they're, they have very, very strict guidelines on how to buy and service the debt. How would you coach then our listeners on how to you know, run their businesses through this, this period of time? 
I think, Michael, and we, we've talked about this, we've gone to conferences and, and, and talked about the issue, is that I think they that middle market debt buyers have to find a niche that they can operate in. And, and they also have to be open to doing uh, different things within the industry that they can use their experience that they uh, developed while at uh, while doing debt buying, you know, we 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 talk about it all the time. Some of the, some of the guys we work with can move or transition to other asset types that uh, uh, aren't, aren't 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 typical. I, I think we have to be honest that a, a lot of our mid market guys are not going to get approved mm-hmm. um, by some of the larger players, creditors in the in the in, in the industry. So they have just to because find- of their size. Well, because of their size, they don't have com- compliance, big compliance departments. That but they have DBA certification. Does that help? Yes and no. I mean, when, when we, you know, back in the day at Wells, certi- DBA certification has grown and is now uh, something that uh, is significant. But it's still not when when you have a it's not sufficient. It's it's not sufficient when you have a, a creditor with a a, a book of a hundred pages worth of questions. You know they're yeah. not going to take the yeah. DBA certification and say, hey, just because they're they're certified by DBA, we're going to uh, put them on our uh, approved list. So. Uh, uh, that's definitely not going to be enough. Although it is, it is a lot more significant than it than it than it used to be. So those guys have to find those industries where they can compete, and where they, um, uh, you know, can compete with other debt buyers, and they can also uh, meet the regulations of those industries. Okay, let's talk for a minute about one of those markets that uh, we've heard about a lot. That's I think exploding online lending. You know the peer-to-peer lending space. I know you've been attending a lot of conferences and networking there. Can you comment a little bit about the opportunities you see in that space for um, debt buyers? I think there are going to be uh, a lot of opportunities in the online lending, and there are different asset types and categories of online lending. But I think it's going to be the new uh, the new credit card, let's call it, right, uh, right. Uh, for. Uh, uh, debt buyers. The, the 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 issue now is that some of them, some of the companies uh, that do online lending have been in the space for ten or fifteen years, and they're kind of established. And I would kind of put them with some of the larger creditors. That, you mean like Lending Club or On Deck or right? Some of some of those guys that have been around forever. They you know they have processes already in place. They're they're. Uh, uh, Portfolios are a lot more expensive than the mid-market guys right. can tend to afford. But there are hundreds and hundreds of new companies that we've seen mm-hmm. at all of these conferences that once they get up and going and have a few years under their belt are going to have a lot of charge-offs for our industry. Now, what does that mean, though? What does that imply for compliance? Are they under the same kind of scrutiny for compliance as the, the banks and credit card companies are? I, I think they they will be, but I think our our, our guys are learning how to uh, maneuver through this new regulation uh, uh, that 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 the regulators are throwing out. So you know we're smarter. The 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 creditors are a lot smarter and know how to work through and and maneuver through these different uh, uh, um, uh, issues. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, we'll, they'll be able to attack it. I mean, so 
a, a smaller company that only has, you know, has been operating for a year or two, it's going to have a lot of tr uh, transactions that it's going to uh, get the attention of some of the big guys. But this is when uh, uh, middle market guys can come in, make those relationships, which are, you know, the most important thing and, and, and work with these guys, you know, show them how to sell uh, debt properly, show them what they need to produce and, 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 and what kind of records they need to, to keep in order to sell. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's for some of these guys to find companies early and, and start working with them. There's that word again, relationships. You've said it a few times now. So is that also still a common denominator then in these new markets as well as the old markets, meaning the, the success of debt buyers? It, it's the price, certainly, but it's relationship with the creditor. Is that is that what you're saying? Is well, I think I think definitely. You know, Michael, I went to lunch with uh, one of the companies that we call an online lender and uh, the guy that was managing the process. I mean, he 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 didn't know a lot about. I mean, he was selling, but he didn't. Right. There were a lot of things he didn't know about selling. He was also uh, managing the the collection uh, process that he knew nothing about. He was a risk guy, so I think our guys need to get in with these guys and uh, and, and 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 build a relationship and and help teach them and guide them through some of these processes that they understand. Well, much like you're doing right now with your own relationships with the online lenders that you're developing, right? Right. Because informally, I think, you know, I've seen you work meeting with them and I, I think you've been successful at sharing some of your Wells experiences, even though it's a different world. Uh, there still are some common processes, aren't there, uh, between selling debt for an online lender and selling debt for a bank or or not? With, without question, uh, Michael, this person I was at lunch with last week, I mean, he, he, I mean, he, we, we sat there for an hour and a half talking about what I used to do, how I did it, and how he could be more effective. And, 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 and they're wanting to learn. I mean, they're, they kind of remind me of myself. They were taken from a different area of, of the company and thrown into this and say, Hey, you do this. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're looking for people to help them and, and, and guide them. Well, yeah, and that brings up another really interesting point, Alex. Um, you had to transition personally from a, a very kind of stable, certain environment at Wells Fargo, you know, where you were for 20 years, lots of infrastructure to Flock Specialty Finance. Uh, you know, we're, you know, six, seven, eight years old now, uh, but it's a very different world and you don't have the infrastructure that you did in the past, you're also creating new relationships in new markets, which you didn't have to do at Wells. Could you comment a little bit about your personal transition as an executive in business development and how you had to uh, develop additional skills or enhanced skills uh, to bring in new business, which never was an issue, obviously, at Wells Fargo? Yeah, Michael, it, it was terribly terrifying my first couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, no, it was terrifying, Michael. I, oh, I went on. from making a call to at Wells and, you know, people breaking their neck to return my call. And, uh, and I went, you know, where they, you know, no, I remember I had trouble getting a call back a few times. <laughs> no, well, no, I, I called everybody <laughs> back. And, and even though, you know, I was a great guy and I called everybody back, you know, not everybody reciprocates. So, you know, now that I was on the other side, you know, it, it might take them a few, uh, uh, weeks to, to get back on. Oh, I'm sorry I missed your call. But, you know, real, really, Michael, is that the friendships you develop 
within the industry, they stayed there and, and you know, people were were good about it, but it was still difficult to get in some doors, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I had to learn how to maneuver and, and accept no finally, you know, I mean, no one ever told me no when I was at Wells, right. you know, now right. they're, they're telling me no. And uh, so, you know, you have to be a lot more proactive because, you know, I mean, at Wells, you were going to eat no matter what happened during the right. day. Right. You know how you are, Michael, you know, if, if we don't produce, we don't eat. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not that bad, but no, uh, it's, it's not, but you know, it is, it is, <laughs> A different uh, 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 way, and I and I had to v- develop different skills. I mean, uh, I, I had to learn how to get on LinkedIn and make connections with people. That's right. And, uh, That's right. Uh, you know, before you know, you just could say, "Hey, I'm from." No, Bible. I remember your database. You had almost 300 names representing maybe 100 plus different companies when we first met, and you joined our our team. And now, I mean, just the other day we looked at it and it was probably 50 companies. So it really has shrunk and that has challenged, yeah, your, your network and you got a great network, but it's got to keep growing now. So what would you tell other, there are dozens and dozens of business development people, good people out there that were successful in the traditional divine world. So how would you coach them to get into some of these new online markets or, or other asset classes? Um, you know, I, I think one of the, the greatest tools that you have as a business development person is a is a conference. And I think you have to find the right of conferences to attend. And usually at the conferences, people are pretty open. Even if they don't have a lot of time, they'll talk to you. You'll get a card. You know, right. you'll hear them speak, talk about their company and something right. may get triggered in your mind. Hey, right. you know what? I need to talk to these guys because I know we can do X, Y, and Z. Right. But I think conferences are great. And, and I think you kind of have to sometimes have to be bold. I mean, like just cold call people. Yep. And, and, yep. and, and uh, you know, one of the greatest things that I, I learned in, in this is to find commonalities between you. Like, uh, oh, this guy, he works for this company, but at one time he worked at Wells like me. So mm-hmm. I say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see you worked at Wells, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have to find commonalities yeah. with people and, and uh, you know, and, 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 and that of- usually opens the door a little more. How about sports? Is that a common denominator sometimes? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's great. Sometimes, you, as you know, you like the golf. You People like the golf. You know, get them out on the golf course. I mean, 18 right. holes with somebody, that's four to five hours that you're going to spend with that person. And, right. you know, I usually generally don't talk about business per se on the golf course, but uh, it's a great place to get to know someone and, you know, and just see their competitive nature. I mean, I never would have thought you th- would throw a club in the in the water, but I saw you do that, you know. <laughs> So. Oh, come on. <laughs> now, I thought you said you weren't going to tell stories. <laughs> um, well, that's wonderful. Um, I guess going forward now, back to Wells for a minute in the traditional market, uh, so what? everyone's going to ask you this. So what, what is Wells going to do in the future? And, and, you know, I know you you don't have an in there, but you still have lots of friends and, you know, your, intu- your intuition and the experiences you've got. What What's going to happen at Wells going forward and like B of A and Chase and all the big banks? Is is this pretty much dead for the middle market or is there some hope uh, down the road for them? I don't know if there's going to be a lot of hope with the companies like a, a Wells or a Bank of America uh, or uh, a, a Chase. Uh, you know, first we have, we, we it would be nice to get them just back selling again because I think the middle market needs to concentrate on the regional banks. But if, if the regional banks see some of the big guys saying, especially a conservative bank like Wells Fargo, if they see them entering the market, they, they, it, it, it would bring some comfort to 
the, the regional banks. But, you know, I think uh, a middle market uh, debt buyers need to concentrate on, 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 on the regionals. They need to concentrate on, on the credit unions and, 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 and things in their neighborhood and banks and creditors in their neighborhood. And, uh, I think they'll be a lot more successful with those guys because, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on, on, on the bigger creditors to, 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 to control their total environment when they, when it comes to debt sales. And you can't afford to, um, you know, due diligence quarterly right. on on a on a, on a, on 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 more than a few uh, debt buyers. So I, I don't see them expanding into a a a, a number of uh, different debt buyers, especially down in the middle market area. They'll look at them and say, you know, you know, that's probably not worth our time. But uh, uh, yeah, I think the middle market guys concentrate on some of the smaller banks, some of the credit unions and, and like I said, some of the smaller online lending uh, companies. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that would be a good focus for them to build those relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're now approaching Thanksgiving and uh, 2015 is almost over. What were some of the highlights of the, of this year for you? And um, what are your aspirations for 2016? Well, uh, again, I came to, to Flock with the goal of helping make us a major player on the financing front. And uh, I, I say we, ha- we still have a long way to go to do that. But, you know, I, I think we both can admit 2015 was a whole lot better than 2014 and it was a whole lot better than 2013. So we're growing and uh, we've got a number of clients that have a lot of potential out there. And because we've expanded our market, like we're advising the debt buyers to, that we have a lot of potential out there that we haven't even really, uh, you know, dug in yet and figured out how, how to do it. So that is my number one goal to help grow Flock Specialty Finance into a, a major uh, financing financial player. And uh, uh, I, I see that happening uh, as I said, we've taken a lot of baby steps, and I think now we're we're ready to to grow. 2015 was good. I I I think we expanded our asset base into a number of areas, and uh, I was quite uh, pleased with that. And uh, you know, like I said, I, it's a positive for me, Michael. All I, right, you brought in a couple of clients that specialized and succeeded in certain niches like the debt settlement space. We had another client uh, that you brought in in the uh, subprime consumer revolving loan space, and those are just getting started now. And so I, I congratulate you on that. Um, yeah. And Michael, you know, it's, 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 it's like night and day, you know, I mean, with Wells, you know, you kind of stay focused on what you were uh, supposed to do. And in this market, you know, we're open. I mean, I came and, and you and you and you just looked at me and laughed. I, I think there were a couple of countries I wanted to go into and you. you <laughs> well, yeah, the Romania, you that was in good timing. Alex. But but yeah. but the thought is that, you know, that's open to us. Yeah. You know, I know I mean, you like to travel, but, you know, <laughs> but that's Romania, open. I come mean, on. Yeah, but that's open, right? <laughs> I mean, so uh, it's it's a totally different job. There's some different uh, uh 
things you have to deal with uh, that you wouldn't have to deal with at a Wells, but there's the, there's a positive side. I mean, we can sit down and and, and talk and argue and uh, and fight and and determine our own destiny. So uh, that's one of the positives of coming and working for a smaller company and helping it grow. And in addition to your knowledge and your networks, uh, what did you attribute attribute your success in fifteen to? Um, in terms of business development? Uh, I, I think it's always willing to learn. I, I, I think, Michael, even at 54, you know, there's some <laughs> things that uh, I need to to learn. And then I... I including your golf swing? Well, we, won't talk, we won't talk about that. that that's been disappointing <laughs> this year, and I'm, I'm going to have to spend more time away from work to work on that. Yeah, but you told me <laughs> work is, you know, you love it so much, it's not really work, right? No, you said that. I, we, 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 <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, I always, uh, you know, my father was always a, a, a great role model for me. I mean, he was, uh, he was as I said, he was a, he was a AME minister and uh, he was involved in the civil rights uh, uh, movement for a number of years in, in, in Virginia, North Carolina, and even, and even in Chicago. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he taught us that, you know, you know, he made us look back a lot and, and we looked at obstacles that our, 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 our forefathers faced and, uh, you know, they were, you know, so when I see a little, a few bumps in the road, I you know, that's nothing, you know, and, uh, you know, with the way some of our, our ancestors overcame some of their, their issues, uh, you know, the little bumps in the road for me aren't major issues, and that's the way I look at life. I mean, everything has challenges, but you know, it's it's you you have the you the wherewithal to meet those. I mean, as a company, we 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 figure it out together, and uh, you know. So the bumps in the road is kind of your perspective on adversity and how you handle adversity. You look at um, the the challenges in a total context, right, of a total environment. Is that it? Is that what you mean by the bumps in the road? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, it's 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 never anything major. I mean, you you know, something that you think is major is really a small uh, bump in the road. That's the way I look at everything. So, so this big change and the radical <laughs> transformation of our debt buying industry, uh, it's a bump in the road. It's got some opportunities for the future and. Is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, everything is cyclical. I think certain things will come back. It may not go back to where it was in, in 2008, 9, and 10, but uh, I think it's going to come around. And uh, those middle market guys that can hang around and, and, and face the adversity will, will be better off for it because there will be a whole lot less of them. Well, thanks, Alex. And uh, do you have any final words for our, our listeners here as we, uh, you know, end 2015 going into next year? Um, you've obviously reinvented yourself. Do you have suggestions again, any, any more on our, our, you know, for the future for our listeners? Uh, well, I, I would just say to everybody, you know, you, you, you kind of have to meet the challenges as, as they come. And, you know, at times you have to reinvent yourself and, you know, uh, you know, I don't know how many re more reinventions I have in my life, uh, but uh, you know, this was a a good move for me. And I think sometimes you you have to not be afraid to 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 make a challenging move. I mean, if anybody would have told me, you know, five years ago that I'd be in uh, 
Atlanta, Georgia, I wouldn't have believed them. But here I am and, you know, facing the challenges with with you and the rest of the team. And uh, I, I look forward to 2016's challenges. Well, thank you. And so do we, Alex. And uh, thanks to all our listeners uh, today and, and this uh, interesting, exciting interview with Alex Dunlap, our, our uh, very experienced and successful business development executive at Block Specialty Finance. Thank you. 